HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. With Open Table, Yelp, social media, Facebook. If you're a restaurant, do you still need a website? The folks at Bento Box would say absolutely. Heritage Radio Network listeners, it's Thursday morning on February 15th at 11 a.m. in New York City, actually Bushwick, Brooklyn, and that means it's time for Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology, and today that intersection is online. It's a company called Bento Box. We are here with founder and CEO Crystal Mobiani to talk about her company and why it's important for restaurants to own their digital storefront. But before we get to that, we will do like we always do. We'll start the episode going around the shipping container talking about apps, apps we love, old favorites, new ones we've discovered. The only rule is that you cannot talk about an app that you own, develop, or have invested in. (laughs) Today, our engineer is Vitor Hirsch. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good. Do you have an app that you like right now? Well, um, I don't think I have an app for this week, but I just discovered something cool about uh, the iPhone that I didn't know. If you uh, press the lock button uh, five times quickly, it gives you the SOS call option. (laughs) And that's, uh, I didn't know that, and I guess, you know, that's, that can come in handy. So you're standing in an app for a hack? Yes, okay. if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I did not know that either. Yeah. Um, fi- I know that if you do it three times, doesn't it change the, it changes the background from dark to light or something like that? I'm not know. sure. Okay, so five <laughs> times for SOS. Yeah. 
thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Hopefully you don't ever actually need to use it, but exactly. it's a nice piece of information to have. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal, do you have an app that you really are enamored with right now? Yeah, I usually get enamored with things that are extremely simple. And um, I am one of those people that uses their inbox as their to-do list, which is a terrible thing to do, but I do use it that way. And I and when I would send emails to myself, it would never end up in priority inbox for some reason. It would go buried into like... Promotion. Where, yeah, exactly, which is... <laughs> probably where it should go but um i downloaded this thing i think it's called like a uh, note to self or mail to self I, I forget exactly what it's called but um it's one of those things and i it it's just an app where i can email myself and it comes doesn't come from myself it comes from this other app and it lands right in the top of my inbox so anytime i need to take a note just you know email it to myself so you use your email as a to-do list, meaning you send yourself emails or do you take a look at the messages and the, the mails themselves and that's how you? Both. Um, if I, my inbox, you know, I archive everything um, in it. So anything that's in there is something that I need to address. So there's usually 30 things in there at once. Well, you know, I mean, I think there, we read all of those seven things really successful people do to start their day or get organized or stay on top of things. And they're all, you know, unique to who they are. So, I mean, if that's how it works for you, then maybe that's a new thing. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm one of those people who has like the 3,942 <laughs> unopened emails on my phone because I have so many addresses and so many things and I've read it, so I haven't opened it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my app today is the Olympic Team USA app, which I, I, I confess, I like the Olympics. I watch the opening ceremony. I watch, you know, the live broadcast quite a bit at night. Sometimes I'll look at random sports that are being broadcast during the day. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah. The level of, you know, human physical performance just in general is amazing to me. Some of the sports I just find death-defying and, and unbelievable, like the figure skating and the luge yeah. and all of that. So I, I, I'm watching the Olympics. Yeah. But I have quite a number of friends who don't have cable anymore, <laughs> who have cut the cord, who don't have live TV. And there are, you know, bunches of things online, people looking for ways to watch it. And so Team USA, it's an app. It has all the metal standings, it has a schedule, they have live streaming in it, they have a lot of video content. Most of the video content, though, is not the sporting events. It's interviews and profiles and things like that with the different athletes. There's a ton cool. of photos, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's free. So, were you an the, athlete growing up or now? Or? I was a ballet dancer growing up. Oh. So, not um, sports, but physical. Mm. And now I practice. Muay Thai. It's like oh, kickboxing nice. for the last five or six years. Nice. Amazing. And recently started jujitsu. Oh, so, fun. Yeah. Sporty. Sporty spice. Yeah, but all that require focus, really. A yeah. Lot of focus. Yeah, because if you aren't paying attention, it can be potentially <laughs> very dangerous. <laughs> you might get kicked in the head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're interested in martial arts, Muay Thai or Jiu Jitsu, um, every now and again on Tech Bites, we do a show called The B-Side, mm. which is the flip side. And um, we do shows around food and fighting. 
like fighting foodies. So there's a couple of episodes, if you look back in the Tech Bytes archives on, the last one we did was last summer, it was about the weight cut. Mm. Um, Because combat sports, you agree to to compete at a specific weight. Right. So not only do you have to get into peak physical performance, but you have to do that at a specific weight. Mm. So imagine... If, you know, the ice skaters not only had to be in top shape, but before they could take the ice, they had to weigh in and be, you know, 120 pounds yeah. in addition to everything else. It's a, it's a very specific, unusual calibration, yeah. but it makes training challenging. So we had a bunch of people on, a, a professional chef who competes and mm. a professional coach and different people talking about, um, you know, getting your weight on point to compete. They call it the first fight and wow. some other stuff like that. So that's cool. Yeah, if you're into fighting and food and athletics, check out the B-side. So, Crystal is here today. Um, I have been uh, thinking about having her on the show since she graduated from the Techstars incubator back in 2015. I remember, I think the first time I got in touch with her, she had just finished that and was in a very, very busy place. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an intense time, but you know, as we were talking before, always intense, just a different set of things that are causing the intensity. Yeah. Yeah. So three years later, I'm thrilled that Bento Box is definitely around and evolving and bigger and better. And so is Tech Bite. So that's great. Yeah. So I'm glad that three years later, we're finally able to <laughs> meet up on the air <laughs> You know, something that we talk about so much on this show is about the digital space and restaurants and their restaurant website and what do they need to do and their social media and how do they navigate so many things. Um, Back in the day, if you wanted to open up a pizza restaurant, you, you know, called the electric company, got a phone line, made sure you were in the yellow pages and you were open for business. And now there's, you know, 152 additional steps that you have to take with everything else. So we're happy to have her here and talk about what the latest and the greatest is um, for restaurant websites because so many things have happened. And the, the thing that I really appreciate about Bento Box is you are a very good turnkey solution for a lot of different features. And I think uh, restaurants have a hard time deciding what they need, what the best things are, what's the best combination, and sort of to have something that's really plug and play, I think is very helpful. So we'll get into all that, but I think, you know, as we mentioned before the start of the show, you know, I do hear a lot of um, business owners and startup people, and especially, you know, young people who are very social media literate, asking the question if a restaurant even needs a website today. We see many restaurants, you know, have simply a Facebook page or Instagram or a social media uh, platform. If you're on Open Table, there's a page for your restaurant there. You know, there's probably a Yelp page and a Google page and all those different kinds of things. So tell us why a restaurant would even need to be investing in their own website at this stage. Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's one that we we get a lot and, uh, you know, we even talk about a lot internally. Um, but I think that for a restaurant, what's really important and what what the experience provides and, and, the, and the whole thing of hospitality is that 
one-to-one relationship with the guests and the experience that you're creating um, and that that the restaurant brand itself is giving to an individual or a group of individuals. And when you think about all of these other um, social media and, you know, third-party places that you just mentioned, um, that your guest is having a relationship with that different platform, with Instagram, with OpenTable, with Facebook, um, and you don't necessarily have their full attention. Um, and it's not a true representation of your brand and your experience. And uh, your website is, it, it happens to be the only place online that you have that total control anymore and you being the restaurant, the restaurant owner. And, um, and so it is extremely important and it's, and it's not going away anytime soon. And, and, uh, something that we see, um, is that all of these different social media channels, they actually drive traffic to the website. So even if it is a place of discovery, um, uh, diners want the whole picture. They want to make sure that, you know, they want to see the menu, which you can't see on, for example, Instagram. And, and so the website is the one place to bring that all together. I think one of the really interesting points that you just made is if you don't have your own website, your customers are not having a relationship directly with you. They're having a relationship with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that people really think about that very much, that they're not having a relationship with Roberta's. They're having a relationship with Open Table or Seamless or, you know, those other kinds of things. And when people are going through a reservation site or a delivery site and they're just scrolling through what's available versus saying, I want Roberta's and driving directly to the Roberta's site. It's a very important distinction, Mm -hmm. I think, to make. Yep. Yep. Um, and people, you know, do want a lot of information, even though we're in information overload. When people are looking at something, um, de- the details are very important about restaurants now. Mm-hmm. Gluten-free, the menu, what's on your wine list, where are you getting products from? What are some of the um, information segments that restaurants have been asking you to provide space for? Yeah. Um, well, one thing about having all of that information is um, it's true that we want it and we want it faster than ever. And so um, all of that basic information with Bento Box, I mean, it's uh, we make sure that like the address, the hours, the menu, everything is like a click or less away because you don't have the time to, to have someone like dig through your, you know, philosophy page to get to your menu it just needs to be very clear where it is or know that you have to go to contact to get hours I mean that's just not super intuitive so um, those are things that we just after doing thousands of restaurant websites that we know what people are coming to the website for Um, but yeah um, purveyors and philosophy has always been a really important thing Um, press has always been really important um, and you know, they're, they're, you know, restaurants love to share their press, but it's, it's important for, you know, SEO also to show that you are linking to uh, other places online that are, uh, you know, have a lot of traffic and they're seen as authorities online. And so it, it has like a dual importance in that way. And then the, the last thing is, is restaurants, um, it's becoming harder and harder to, uh, you know, 
grow a, a lucrative business um, as a restaurant with like a rent and, and wage laws and just everything and food prices. And there needs to be other ways to actually make money um, and really high margin ways. So being able to sell gift cards or catering has become really huge um, and uh, private events and doing tickets. So restaurants going really outside of just the idea of you sit down and have a meal to become uh, almost unintentionally more like lifestyle brands. Like this is like, uh, and not in, in some kind of, you know, bougie way, but more like this is my local spot. And, and if they're having like a, 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 a quiz night, I, I want to know about it and I want to go. Maybe multifaceted service provider versus <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. Different yeah. services for multiple occasions and events yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. One thing that you mentioned, which is a very interesting topic and a topic that I would say probably 98% of the restaurant industry has no idea actually what it is, maybe even more, and that's SEO, search engine optimization. Can you really, in in very simple terms, um, explain what search engine optimization is and then maybe talk about and explain how, you know, like open your restaurant page on open table versus your restaurant website, how those two would interact with search engine optimization. Right. I, I actually, and I also want to do a show, I think on search engine optimization, (laughs) just because it's a huge, huge topic. Uh, Maybe we'll have you back and we'll put together an SEO round table, but just in a nutshell, because I think the SEO piece is one of the really critical pieces of why restaurants need their own platform. Right. Well, search engine optimization is just really um, how easy is it and how easy do you make it for um, your online property to be found. Um, And uh, what's really interesting is that you know, the authority in this Google changes their algorithm for this hundreds of times a year. So it's, it's a, it's a moving target always, but there are things, um, that are sort of no brainers and out of the box that, um, that you can do, uh, to help improve your search visibility and have these, uh, different search engines be able to, um, you know, index your site better. Um, and some of it is, is, is on the technology side. So I'm going to say a bunch of things that probably are going to go right over people's heads. It's okay. It is a tech show. So we do have, you know, we do have a quotient of audience who's going to be really excited by what you're about to say. (laughs) Yeah. But there's, um, you know, in terms of the structure of the website, it needs to be set up with really obvious things where, um, there's title tags in the code. So title tags end up showing up what's in the little browser tab. Um, that those need to be there. And then also meta descriptions, which are on a search engine. When you search something, the little like two lines of text that comes up underneath, having those um, on every page and having them be unique and uh, and actually the truth about what's on the page that that's important too. You you know you can't uh, if those are mismatched that's that's a strike against you um, and then having the page set up so that all the proper tags for the content are set up in the right way so like h1s are the headline and those that really describes what the most important content what the page is about what the most important content on the page is and then h2 is the next thing and then there's the body copy and so on so 
the good thing is, is that, um, you know, this is a lot of stuff to remember, and this is just a small piece of it that uh, just out of the box, our bento box sites are set up to, to adhere to all of these guidelines and these best practices so that restaurant owners don't need to think about them or even, um, you know, know to ask their web developer if this is this is in place it's just we're we're accommodating for all of that so that's like the technical side of it and then there's like the strategic side of it which is what does that content actually say and creating you know if you want people to do catering in bushwick making sure there's a page where the text is a page for catering where you know the words like catering and bushwick and all of these things are on it so there's the whole other strategic side of it which really varies from business to business so explain why then if I have a restaurant website and I Google my restaurant, there's a bunch of things that might come up beforehand, like Open Table, like Yelp, like, you know, a restaurant guide. Yeah, well, there's also um, Google takes into account how much traffic different sites are getting. And so if they are, um, if your site is not set up in this proper way or you don't have a site, then those sites um, that have those best practices in place and are mentioning your your restaurant's name are going to show up higher on the list or they've purchased an ad for your restaurant's name, which is unfortunate, but that also happens. Um, so, yeah, it's usually if the website is not set up in the right way or it has the right content or instead of having, like, um, you know, text on the page, it has just a big image with no text, then there's nothing for that the web the search engine to actually read to compare with you know something like open table which is mostly like text and because it's derivative of the traffic to the site is definitely a piece of it would a restaurant website ever have an opportunity to come up have better search than something like open table because opentable.com as an entity is getting Millions and millions of hits because people, as you said at the beginning, are having mm-hmm. a relationship with Open Table and mm-hmm. not with your restaurant. Yeah. Well, the traffic is is one factor, and um, the relevancy is actually much more important. So, making sure that your site technically is set up in the right way, so that the search engines can see that relevancy, can see that you are the actual domain, and you have actual relevant content on the site, they will it knows, it is smart enough to know that that is more important than open table. And so you do, I mean, um, many, I would love to, I can't say almost all because I haven't Googled every restaurant website on Bento Box, but for the most part, they are all above all of those other different, um, different platforms. And Google now um, has, you know, the little sidebar that comes up and then the Google Maps has the website also. And so they're not linking to things like open table in there. So there's been progress in the SEO intelligence level that now it makes those distinctions if you're building your website yeah, in a absolutely. smart way. Yeah. We are going to take a quick break. You know, in order to build our show and build Heritage Radio Network, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. We have sponsors and members and underwriters who help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. And we're going to take a quick break and find out today who our amazing sponsor is. Stay with us. Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. 
100 Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment, 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today, that innovator is Crystal Mobiani. She's the CEO and founder of Bento Box, which is a restaurant-specific website company. If you want more information about Bento Box, you can find them at getbento.com. On Twitter, they are BentoBoxNYC, and on Instagram, at GetBento. And you're, if you're interested in following Crystal, she is at Crystal Mobiani, K-R-Y-S-T-L-E-M-O-B-A-Y-E-N-I. It's a great company. I would not say that they're a startup because they've been around since 2013. So I think they're a full-blown, full-life company. And just before the break, we were talking about SEO and search engine optimization, which is a compelling reason why a restaurant would want to have their own website versus just relying on third parties or social media. It's such a fascinating topic. You know, the couple minutes that we spent on it really doesn't do it justice. And we'll maybe try and put together a show on SEO later in the season. Um, but Crystal, just before the break, you were going to say something um, very interesting. Yeah, I think one thing that's sort of related to the website that I've, we've learned recently has a huge impact on SEO is um, businesses uh, claiming their Google My Business account. Um, you know, Google, uh, if you love Google, Google will love you back. So making sure that your business has actually claimed that, which is it's a process. They send you a postcard to verify you're at the that actual physical location. You need to take that and reply to that and so there's a there's a whole process around it but it it makes it makes a significant impact and um and if your website url is associated to that google my business account that's been claimed um it 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 helps in raising their uh rankings that's an excellent point that google pretty much is you know owns the playing field for search and is the big player but they're constantly evolving all these different products, Mm -hmm. products and services. So, you know, when you Google something, there's that business page that comes up Mm -hmm. and you might wonder what they mean. But if you own a business, you know, you definitely want to get in there and be in control of what they're saying versus not. Right. They also have in the myriad of guides on Google, they have a little guide on SEO and things that you can do to sort of look at your website and optimize it and things like that. And that's a great starting point, I think, to get a a good understanding of just what it is and and how it works. Yeah. So in, in conversations that we've had in the past, one of the things that you've said is that the because Bento Box is really specific to the hospitality industry, 
you, you know, are building things that your restaurants are asking for. What are some of the things that you've built that were a surprise to you that restaurants wanted? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that came out of left field that you hadn't thought of that was... Yeah, I think as the the depth in which that we've gone into catering and what an impact and seeing actually the numbers and how much um, revenue that's actually bringing in for the restaurant. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very high margin revenue. It's cash up front. It's, it's, uh, it's a really great, great uh, source of, um, for the, for the business. Um, but yeah, it's been in, and just me deepening those, so like, you know, you can tip on it, you can pick delivery zones and just going really deep into catering. Um, I've been really surprised by that. Um, and then, um, the, and then the ways that we've already kind of started going beyond the website, the website always is, is really the hub. Um, but as you talked about all of these different services and keeping your information up to date on that, um, we're starting to uh, build out these directory integrations where, you know, your menus and your hours and, and even photography can get pushed out to these different services right from your website. So you don't need to go and update all of these different platforms um, or get yet another service to do that for you. So, so it's, uh, a, it's a domino effect. Like if you're going to, in the same idea as if I'm going to post something on Instagram, mm-hmm. I can choose to share it on multiple platforms instantaneously. So it's one post that sort of dominoes through other yeah. services, like that kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. So that the hours on Google are the ones that are on your website, which you have control of, um, and then to other platforms like uh, Facebook and, and Yelp. This, we haven't rolled this out yet, but it's the next thing that is, is coming. So we're excited that about that. That does sound exciting. Yeah. I did see on your Instagram feed, um, I think yesterday, that you have a brand new integration with Square, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's Tell great. us a little bit about that. Well, it is our first um, POS integration, which is something that we get asked about a lot because we have, um, you know, payments being processed on the website. And now you can do that through Stripe, which is uh, the first provider we had, which is not related to any kind of POS at all. It's just a payment processor. And now we have Square as well, which processes the payment and then also sends that data into the POS, which is um, really powerful and you know, there are myriads of different POSs. A lot of them are, a lot of the most popular ones are still the legacy ones. Yes. So, <laughs> Aloha. Yeah. <laughs> Micros forever, you know. <laughs> um, but, but, but it's, uh, but it's exciting that there's a lot of um, new ones coming out and hopefully, you know, we'll see the landscape evolve and we'll be able to um, do that integration a lot better. In a general sense, with so many, Social media platforms, POS services, front of the house, back of the house, reservation, you know, there's so many things out there. How do you decide which things you're going to have Bento Box integrate with? How do you decide which platforms you're going to build with or, yeah. you know, yeah. h- how does that decision happen? Yeah, it, well, first, it's, it's great that we work 
with only restaurants as opposed to, you know, other website platforms that have all different kinds of uh, types of customers and users so that we're able to see trends very quickly and see, um, you know, what people are starting to use and start building like integrations for that. Um, we want to always make sure we're delivering value to the restaurant. So, for example, just because something is, um, uh, you know, the hot topic right now for, I'll just pick a random one like chatbots. Um, we're not going to just build something because it is it is the, the, the latest thing and chase after that. It's really about, you know, what kind of value is this helping the restaurant grow their business? Is this actually something that restaurants are going to, um, uh, going to make an impact and be really easy to use. So that's important. And then, uh, as is the case with Square, it's like, how easy is it for us to integrate? Um, even though a lot of our customers we know do use Aloha and Micros, actually, I think the majority do. It's just actually impossible. It's like literally impossible <laughs> to integrate. So it's like, if we can't, if it's, if, if we can't do it, we can't do it. That's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking through some of, um, I was on your website looking at the press page before you came on the show and I was reading through something and one of the, um, one of the quotes that you had, which I thought was really fantastic because it was very sort of just like blunt honesty. You said that regardless of what people say or popular opinion, restaurants don't build their own websites. Yeah. I think today, you know, we've certainly done, you know, episodes of this show, you know, boot camp things. We all know that, you know, there's Squarespace and Wix and it's so easy. I do think that there's an element of technology. I use it every day. I have it on my phone. I could blog. I could do all these things. If I'm a smart person, I could build a website for my, re- for my business, for my restaurant. Do people really do that? Should they do that? Well, the should. Is um, it cheaper? I mean, because it's also, you know, websites are also one of those very nebulous things where people don't know exactly how it works. (laughs) So if someone comes in and sits down and says, I'm going to build you an amazing website, it's going to be $20,000, and then I'm going to charge you, you know, X thousand dollars a month to do the updates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that with restaurants, I I think one thing that is um, unique as opposed to, let's say, of freelance, I don't know, photographer or designer or some, something that might, you know, be building, using these DIY platforms and, and maybe more successfully is that restaurant owners are just not in front of a computer all day. They're like offline people. And so the more time that someone who is running a restaurant is spending on a computer, they're not, they're not on the floor. They're not like, you know, they're not running the restaurant. And so, um, and it's, uh, and having them requiring them to learn that technology just is, is not a realistic expectation. So that's why, um, yeah, we were not right now a DIY platform and, and we just want restaurants to do the thing that they're amazing at that, that wonderful experience that they provide and that warmth and that let us handle the technology. And, and on top of that, technology is always evolving like as you mentioned and um if you give someone a one-time fee to build something um like a standalone thing instead of being on a platform like ours um then you're you're it's going to cost you a lot to evolve over time um and uh you know if if we see that there's a platform becoming 
popular, like a new reservation platform will build an integration to that. So it'll be very easy for if you in the future want to switch to that reservation platform, we have that built in. Um, so there's little things like that that are that are important. And uh, and then the last bit is in terms of the cost, even though these DIY platforms are a lot more affordable, um, there's that upfront investment that somebody is going to need to make in, in either time or money. And, um, and so uh, it's, it's, it ends up not, a lot of times we end up doing the math for a lot of the restaurants we work with. And once you lay it out there, it's like very obvious that it doesn't make sense to, to go down that road. It's very interesting in the way restaurants plan and scope and scale their businesses. And the first show we did this year was with a venture capitalist, Charlie O'Donnell from Brooklyn Bridge Ventures. And we talked about why more restaurants and food businesses aren't funded by venture capital. And part of the reason is the scalability. And we talked about, and you know this because you went through the startup process and you were part of, you know, Techstars and things like that. There's a very specific template and format for building a successful tech company or other business company. You map out your different seats and your slots. And if you're not, you can't, you know, hire for your uh, chief technical officer at the beginning or the chief marketing person at the beginning. You have seats for those people Mm -hmm. because, you know to grow your business from you and your apartment to your staff of 50, there are certain positions that you need to fill and implement because they're actual jobs with a lot of expertise (laughs) to growing your business. Yeah, absolutely. Restaurants don't really think about that, do Mm -hmm. they? I mean, when they sit down, when you sit down with somebody who's thinking about opening a restaurant, the restaurant proposals are, you know, chef, maybe restaurant partner, GM person, maybe a wine person or a cocktail person, maybe a pastry person. Yeah. And that's kind of it. They're not thinking about marketing or technical person or IT person. Yeah. Um, those become these sort of weird nebulous things that maybe you add on if you have the money for. They're in some generic marketing or PR bucket. Yeah. Is it possible for restaurants to move forward today without thinking about technology? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, well, I think the foundation of, of having, you know, a uh, great restaurant with a great experience and and uh, great food and and, a, and really being passionate about building that restaurant always needs to be there but i i believe to to continue and to sustain the business um yeah you, you have to think outside of just just that you know it's like it's they we will build it and they will come it's that will not last forever. And, um, and so, so yeah, it's absolutely important. And then I I think the other thing that you touched on, that's really important that, you know, I hear from so many of the restaurants that we work with the owners is that there does seem to be a little bit of a, even though there's a, there's a great community, there seems to be a, a bit of a lack of like official, like knowledge sharing in terms of like what works in terms of building a successful restaurant and there's there, there is not there is not there is not official knowledge sharing right and certainly not even i mean again a parallel between you know the startup business and the restaurant business yeah if you want to you know i'm sure when you were starting up bento box you, there were websites you could go who would that would tell you exactly how to build your pitch deck what yep. the proposal looked like there are incubators and accelerators, yes. mentorship programs, spreadsheets you can download, plug in the numbers, everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
There, nothing like that exists for restaurants. Yeah. There's no restaurant website, pro, you know, promo pitch deck. There aren't pitch offs for restaurants. There's no mentorship <laughs> yeah. programs. Yeah, there's yeah. no restaurant accelerators or incubators. So there's yeah. no path or process for people to follow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, and, and we hear, or I hear directly from restaurants that everybody wants this and, um, and, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer in terms of how to solve it, but I think that, you know, we, we could um, help start building that community just because we work with so many restaurants. Um, so uh, I, I do hope that it's something that we help facilitate, you know, in years to come. Because you're right, it's, I would not have, this is the first time I've built a, com- a company like this before. And I would not have been able to do it without all the people and the resources and everything that's available to me. So, yep, it's, it's very interesting. I think now more than ever, restaurants really need the support of knowledge and information. And certainly in the tech space, I think people just don't know. They, I think it's almost like a deer in the headlights thing in many instances. There mm-hmm. are so many options and yeah. people know that they need to do different things. But how do you start to decide which pieces of technology you need, which services are going to help you be more efficient. And then once you've decided on a category or a type of service, then how do you sift through mm-hmm. all the product offerings from, you know, super new ones that are just starting off to, you know, established old ones and, and everything in between. Yeah. Why do you think that that's happened in the restaurant industry? Do you think it's like a competition thing or do you think it's... No, I, I think you said it earlier um, and it's a very important piece, which is restaurant people are not online people. Mm-hmm. Their, their 15 hour a day job is on their feet, in the kitchen, on the floor. It's not sitting in front of a computer. So they're already outside of that environment and outside of a lot of different things. It's also just people aren't tech people. They're restaurant people. If you're a pizza chef and you make amazing pizza, why should you be expected to understand coding and search engine optimization? You would never expect an IT officer to be able to make croissant. (laughs) But somehow, you know, technology you, we expect people to have some sort of literacy in it yeah. yeah so I think it's time I think it's a lack of time I think it's also a lack of, of of money I mean as you know restaurants have you know very tight margins and budgets and, and not a huge amount of money to throw at the problem yeah and then I think it's you know it's almost like the um the insurance business was probably years ago where you know there's all these products you know you need it you have all these third-party random insurance people walking through the door (laughs) trying to sell you something you're not quite sure what it is I think it's also just too much yeah yeah um but we are actually unbelievably out of time and I knew this would go by very quickly um, before we let you go, Crystal, um, just really quickly, from your experience with all the restaurants over these past few years, what are like your top two or three most important things restaurants should think about when they're either building their websites or they're taking a look at the ones they have? How to, you know, what are the, you know, couple top line super critical things to look at? Yeah, I think um, I think it, there was a time where. Uh, the website was trying to like convey the experience of the restaurant, but now photography does a lot of that work. So investing in photography is, I think is really important. If you're going to invest in anything, invest in that. That's like one of the best ways to convey that, that experience. Um, really thinking about are the 
address, phone number, hours, and menu less than a click away. We know um, it's for a fact through our data that this is what people are going to restaurant websites for. Make it easy for them. That's really the definition of hospitality. And the last thing is just think of your website as a way to uh, grow your business and drive revenue, not just as like a brochure. It can actually make a huge impact on your business and you should take advantage of it. There you go. Good advice. And if you're interested in learning more and perhaps getting a Bento Box website for yourself, they are at getbento.com, on Twitter, BentoBoxNYC, and on Instagram, at GetBento. If you're interested in checking out some food events in real life, we have a bunch of great things coming up in New York City. One of our Heritage Radio Network hosts, the Ferment About It crew, Chris and Mary, they are hosting a New York City Fermentation Festival on Saturday, February 24th. That's at the Brooklyn Expo space. It's from 1030 in the morning to four in the afternoon. And you can get tickets and more information at nycfermentfest.com. If you want to listen to their radio show, they're on Mondays at 7 p.m. on Heritage. Also coming up in March, the Food Finance High School of New York City. This is a school that's near and dear to our hearts this is the high school where we have the Saxelby Radio Scholars Program. You've heard some of them here on Tech Bites. It's the only food finance high school in the city. They are doing their annual gala in March, hosted by Tom Calicchio. It's called Small Plates, Big Hearts Gala. It is on Monday, March 12th, and you can go to the Food Finance High School website for tickets. We'll also post information about these events on our Tech Bites social media. We are at TechBytesHRN on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If you want to email us because you heard something you liked, you have a topic we want to, we should be talking about, or maybe you want to share your favorite app, email us TechBytes at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're out of time for today. Be sure and come back and see us next Thursday at 11 a.m. I'm Jennifer Leitze, and this is TechBytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.